my name is Trisha, and you're listening to Art and the Monsters, a podcast about art and all the things that get in the way of making it. In the final monster of this season, from The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, I'm going to dive deeper into the subtitle of this book, A Spiritual Path to Higher Creativity, and give my overall review. The monster that Cameron would have you fight here is faithlessness. She would say that this monster is a lack of trust in a higher power or universal flow. She would argue that this monster wants to keep you from luxury and money, things which you innately deserve. The reason I haven't explored the spiritual component of the book until this final episode is because I don't agree with Cameron on these points. I didn't want to muddy my positive reception of her basic tools and tasks with my critique of her brand of spirituality, but I have a lot to say about it, so let's dive in. It's not that I'm against a spiritual practice, but what I don't like about how Cameron defines a spiritual practice is her emphasis on blind trust and money. Her teachings around this particular topic are rich with law of attraction vocabulary like abundance, universal flow, and raise your consciousness. If you don't know what Law of Attraction is, or LOA for short, it's the belief that you can attract good things to you by having good thoughts. On the surface, it's a good idea, and like many falsehoods, there's a kernel of truth to it. But it falls apart big time in the reverse. It can't always be true that having negative thoughts attracts negative things to you, because then we'd be laying blame on victims of senseless tragedies. Besides the problem with the logic of LOA, I don't like its presence in this book because, in my opinion, there is nothing spiritual about it. By definition, spirituality is not fixated on material goods, while LOA promotes the endless gain of money and possessions. I know that Cameron is on board with this brand of LOA because she writes, Remembering that God is my source, we are in the spiritual position of having an unlimited bank account. In my opinion, Law of Attraction and the brand of spirituality that Cameron promotes in her book is pseudoscience rebranded as spirituality for people who've been hurt or cast out by religion. LOA promotes the same thing that many Western churches promote. LOA is nothing more than prosperity gospel with new age vocabulary to make it more palatable to a different audience. While I remain very critical of these portions of the book, I did glean something good from them. In week five, one of the tests was to reflect on the prompt, the reason I can't really believe in a supportive God is. And I learned about my own spirituality and beliefs from that prompt. Cameron's idea of a supportive God is one who bestows wealth and good fortune. But I came to realize that my idea of God is not a being who cares about any of that. This prompt is the type of existential question that I've avoided for a long time, so I was grateful for the opportunity to explore it. I'm obviously not the right audience for a book that uses tenets of the law of attraction, so critiques of Cameron's brands of spirituality aside, one of the major questions that this book inspired for me is how do we balance discipline and flow? In positive reviews of The Artist's Way, there seems to be a shared sentiment that the book is life-changing. Some even call it magic. The magic, though, seems to be in the discipline. Most people who rave about the book follow Julia's teachings closely. The magic is in coming to the page, or the canvas, or the lump of clay, even when you'd rather not. However, Cameron oscillates between advocating for discipline and artistic spontaneity. The morning pages are sheer discipline. 
They require an extra half hour in the morning and they require regular dedication. Cameron boasts about students who would wake up at 5 a.m. to get their morning pages in before work. Yet she writes that the morning pages are a spiritual ham radio set to contact the creator within. She also suggests that creativity is more of an external source given to the artist through a muse or a spiritual being. She writes, as artists, we drop down the well into the stream. We hear what's down there and we act on it, more like taking dictation than anything fancy having to do with art. I am left wondering who is in charge here, God or the artist? Author Elizabeth Gilbert has stated that her famous book, Eat, Pray, Love, would not exist were it not for the artist's way. In her TED Talk, Your Elusive Creative Genius, she argues, like Cameron sometimes does, for an external creativity, something like a muse or a divine being, something spiritual, something that is invoked upon the artist rather than built from within. Gilbert would agree with Cameron that we are the instrument more than the author of our work. Gilbert's angle on this topic is from the perspective of protecting the artist. She says that laying the pressure of creativity in the hands of the artist rather than a muse is like asking someone to swallow the sun. I'm almost sad to say that I don't agree with Cameron or Gilbert about the muse. It is romantic. It's magical and otherworldly. But then it's also sad to me to think that artists are at the whims of a muse because that strips us of power. However, both Gilbert and Cameron declared dedication to the job of creativity. The faithlessness monster Cameron warns of is more about a lack of trust in ourselves and our own process than it is about a lack of faith in a mystical external creative force. Both Cameron and Gilbert talk about the importance of showing up. Like Pablo Picasso says, inspiration exists, but it has to find you working. Maybe the magic really is in the discipline, and perhaps the god or muse that Cameron and Gilbert speak of comes from within. At the end of it all, I don't have a solid stance about the muse, but I don't think it really matters in the general sense. It only matters to the individual artist. If the muse or god or a higher power brings you to your work and fills your cup, then I am in no position to judge. We all have to figure out what it takes to create on our own terms. I do have a more solid stance on the artist's way, however. Overall, Cameron's book is typical of the self-help genre. She says a lot while saying very little. I would recommend this book strictly as a workbook to follow the basic tools and do the tasks, but the chapter portions of the book are less necessary for reaping the rewards or magic that other students rave about. This book has been a balm to many wounded artists, and so I feel that I have been a little harsh. So I'll round it out here by saying that my less than stellar reception of this book mostly comes down to two things. I do not believe in the law of attraction, and I think that we can make better art when we approach it like a craft, something like welding or woodworking. There are specific methods that can make it better, and we have all the power in our own hands to wield those methods and stray from those methods and make beautiful things. Thank you for listening to Art and the Monsters. Have you lived by the artist's way? Tell me about your experience at artandthemonsters at gmail.com.